0: I ate some chicken this week that was a a week out of date, so I'm quite surprised I'm still alive.
1: How long ago did you eat it?
0: (laughs) Two days. (laughs) Two days ago.
1: (laughs) Toilet is there? (laughs) If this podcast is coming out as a special Hazel Burton memorial...
2: (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: We're all very
2: sorry. We know
1: the chicken didn't survive. (laughs) The chicken
0: won. The chicken (laughs) won. Chicken run. (laughs) Great film. That's Mel Gibson's best performance
3: apparently getting a sequel yes yeah. really mm. yeah. yeah don't know what about mm-hmm. but chicken Chickens. presumably yeah but
4: what if there is no tomorrow there wasn't one today
0: Welcome to the NerdFest podcast. Today we've got...
2: Dan Watkins. And John father Peter Johnson. Andy Chandler.
0: And I'm Hazel Burton.
2: I'm Hazel Burton. No,
1: I'm well, Hazel Burton. And so is my wife.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> On our show today, we have got our film buff or film bluff quiz. And we have the return of one of our regular features called Shameful Gap. And today we're going to cover what Dan...
3: I have never seen The Exorcist.
0: Shame. That was scary. (laughs) So let's start the show.
1: Oh, sad times. Yeah, Terry Jones. Mm -hmm.
3: One of my favourite of the pythons.
1: Yes, I have ordered uh, kind of your suggestion, his book about medieval life, because I think you said you had it on your shelf.
3: Yeah, Medieval Lives is on Mm. my bookshelf at work. And what he did with his history stuff is really, really interesting. It's something he should be remembered for as much as what mm-hmm. he did with Python because he made popular history that was accessible but really interesting at the same time. And he did a lot to try and dispel myths of what everybody thinks about the medieval period, that, you know, everybody was stupid and dirty and blah, 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 and people weren't like that. <laughs> Some of those myths he's responsible for in fairness. Yeah. Um, yeah, a little bit, but... um, that's kind of been the received idea of the Middle Ages for so long. And medieval lives showed that people were just as complicated and did just as much interesting stuff as people later on. And the book's really good. The series was good. Probably my favorite thing he wrote, other than, you know, Python and Labyrinth and all those things, were his articles for The Observer around the time of the mm. war in Iraq. And this might age me, but. At school, we studied one of those articles. At the same time, we were looking at things like Jonathan Swift, looking at satire and rhetoric and how different tricks of linguistics and language can make you sound more or less persuasive and can add to your arguments by using triplets or alliteration. And Jones's articles about the war on terror were perfect for that. And it's some of the great Topical writing of this century.
1: They're collected in a book.
3: Yes, Terry Jones's War on the War on That's Terror. One, yes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, brilliant comedy mind. Seemed like a really nice guy as well. Him and Palin as a partnership, mm. fantastic and very much missed. Very sad, celeb death.
1: I've only got one good Python left.
2: Everyone's going. <laughs> yeah, which one? Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Michael Palin, don't let us down.
5: Wait, what's wrong with Eric Idle? It's just, uh, he Um, he likes money. (laughs) No, don't tell me, don't tell
3: me. I think with Idol, I think he's more financially minded than the rest of them. Mm -hmm. He can see the commercial opportunities of Python. Uh, Terry Mm -hmm. Jones was always, we were being silly for silly's sake. Idol was very much, well, how can I turn this into a musical and make a lot of money? Which he did with Spamalot very Mm -hmm. successfully. But I don't think any of the other Pythons would have had the commercial aspect to Mm -hmm. think of that. And I think people tend to view him more as money over material. Whether that's know. true or not, um, he was great in Casper. And, and he, he,
1: he dealt with, um, another one that we've lost recently, he, he dealt with Neil Innes quite badly. Didn't he friend to sue Neil Innes over, over Ruttles' album?
3: I did not know that. Yeah,
1: that he wasn't involved in. And he tried to grab a lot of the credit for the Ruttles when Neil Innes was perhaps more the creative force behind that.
3: Because he was in the show but didn't write the music? Yeah, Yeah. But it's interesting that Idle is the one who wrote Solo. Cleese and Chapman wrote as a duo, and Palin and Jones wrote as a duo, oh but Idle wrote I, for it by himself. For brief second, I thought
2: you were talking about the Han Solo movie. That's no. really confused me. Uh, Eric Idle's Solo
3: could have been different, could but could have be be been all different. right. He yeah. would have
0: been fired, though. The, that's, yeah. that, that's why the Chris Lorden f- well
3: mm. whoever is hired first on a Star Wars movie gets fired it's just what <laughs> yeah, happens yeah. Spe- <laughs> speaking
1: of that have we all seen the um, the stuff that's been leaking out about the original episode 9 script
2: uh, Jewel of the Fates the Colin Trevorrow
1: yeah so the script is leaked oh, oh no. and didn't. also a lot of the production out which Colin Trevorrow has um, confirmed. confirmed is yeah. is correct and it, it looks better wow <laughs> oh. <laughs>
3: Not difficult. (laughs) I don't know. There's some stuff in there that I really liked the sound of. Uh, The idea of after nobody hearing Leia's call at the end of The Last Jedi, the Jedi Temple on Coruscant has a a beacon that, you know, will lit and will literally be the spark of hope. It's very Lord of the Rings. Yeah, (laughs) it's very Lord of the Rings. But you know what? If you're going to rip off the end of a trilogy, you might as well rip Mm -hmm. off Lord of the Rings. Sure, Um, yeah. So that's quite a nice idea. What they were going to do with Rose sounded really good. The well, actually, something. Uh, something, yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Um, there are other bits of it that sounded not so good. Um, what they were going to do with Kylo Ren getting basically, I'm dead, but here's my answer phone from the Emperor to then go and visit. It makes more sense. And then go, it does, but to then go and visit another Sith master who's even older than Palpatine,
0: mm-hmm.
3: who and then meet Mm. a force vision of vader i kind of get where they might be going with that but he was gonna have
1: a force battle against vader wasn't he
3: yeah but he was just gonna he he seemed disconnected and Mm. one of the things i really liked about rise of skywalker was the building of the bond between ray and ren and trevara's version doesn't have that however it does have luke's force ghost rather than helping ray he's basically there with kylo pissing him off all the way through which sounds quite fun but There are bits of it that it would have been nice if they'd taken, and there are other bits that I Mm. think just wouldn't have worked either.
1: I think there was a lot more for Luke Skywalker to do, wasn't there? It seems he had a much bigger part in it. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
0: So by the time uh, Colin Trevorrow wrote that script, had Carrie Fisher passed away?
1: No, I think he said it's a draft from just before then.
0: Right, okay.
1: Obviously it would have had to be reworked. But yeah, look it up online. It's all There's mm. lots of production art on there and there's a synopsis of the script. It's fascinating. Mm. And I think on balance, I might have enjoyed that version more. We'll never know.
0: First up is our film buff or film bluff quiz. So for anyone who's not heard this before, we have three facts. Two of them are true. One of them is not. And we're going to try and work out which is the bluff Dan, would you like to go first?
3: I would. As mentioned earlier, my Buffer Bluff is about Michael Palin. Oh. Who, sadly, as we now know, is one of now four remaining members of Monty Python. And I recently read his North Korea journal, which he wrote during the making of a two-part documentary series. It's a really interesting read, him trying to process what he's seeing Realizing that what he's being taken to isn't the grim wasteland that some people might have, you believe, meeting nice people and having nice meals and getting on with people and getting to know people, but at the same time knowing that he's only seeing what people want him to see. It's just really interesting to read how he deals with that as he's going. Hmm. So I've got three facts about Michael Palin, Mm -hmm. uh, two of which are true. One is a lie. Number one, North Korea was the 100th country Michael Palin has visited. Number two, Michael Palin has an asteroid named after him. (laughs) And number three, he was producer John Lloyd's first choice to host QI, but when he turned it down, Stephen Fry got the job.
0: Mm. If you're going to name something after Michael Palin, would you name it an asteroid something like as weird and... Planet destroying, is that? What is the
3: asteroid (laughs) called? The asteroid is called
0: Michael Palin. (laughs) (laughs) I would have thought you'd name something grander. I mean, it's worth, worth, like, at least a planet, right? There's not that
1: many planets.
0: Well, there's many, many planets. Yeah, yeah, I mean,
3: (laughs) somebody needs to listen to the Galaxy song from Meaning of Life. (laughs)
1: Um... Now the QI thing—I know Stephen Fry was originally down as one of the panelists rather than the host, and he switched to be the host. But I don't know whether John Lloyd wanted to do it himself originally.
2: I think he might have done because I mean, there's things like the Museum of Curiosities yeah. where he's been a presenter. Though he's always had sort of like a comedian as a sidekick for that. Mm.
5: I, when you said uh, the QI fact, uh, that, that unlocked a little part of my brain, and I, I think I remember that. I do think mm. I remember Michael Palin being connected to that, so I think that's mm. true. Have you ever it, seen
2: Palin present anything in that way?
5: No. He could, he could I'm not it. saying he couldn't, but yeah. I could yeah. imagine him doing that. May
3: I, I allow I you to consider had Stephen Fry ever presented anything in that way prior to QI?
2: Ooh. Okay,
3: now I'm convinced that this is the line.
2: Because <laughs> my <laughs> dad wouldn't try so hard to convince me otherwise. Yeah.
1: Um, I think he's been to more than 100 countries.
2: That's I mean, he, he,
1: is, he's, he's gone around the world, so that's, that's
0: yeah.
1: a quarter of them, I reckon. I think he's probably been to more. I think it might be the 200th country he's visited. <laughs> well, all of them. <laughs> all of, there's 240-odd, isn't there? There's 200, yeah, 200,
4: 247, like I
3: think. According to the Countries of the World quiz on Sporkle, <laughs> uh, I know, which <gasps> is apparently countries acknowledged by the UN,
1: 197.
3: Really? Mm. Mm. Okay. Never got 100% on that quiz yet.
0: And you didn't look at any notes for that? That was just in your head?
3: I do that quiz a lot on my lunch yeah. break.
0: All right.
1: The same quiz over and over. <laughs> totally I want to get 100%. A <laughs> I want to try
3: and remember all the countries. Yeah. Don't judge me.
1: What's the highest percentage you've got?
3: For, um, what, four. No, I think I've missed seven. It's
1: impressive. So it's a map and you click and say what country it is. Yeah. that's,
3: that's oh, well, You don't have to do it by location. You just write the names of the countries okay. and they turn up on the map.
0: Mm. I'm, I'm still going for the asteroid. I just think maybe a star instead of a yeah. boulder.
5: <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go for the asteroid as well. I reckon someone else, maybe John Cleese, has had the asteroid named. After I'm going it. to go for the number of countries. And I'm going to go for QI. I think he's been to more than 100 countries already.
1: mm mm-hmm.
3: John is
5: correct oh.
3: According to the North Korea Journal North Korea was the 98th Country that Palin <laughs> has visited So he hasn't visited 100 yet mm. Apparently uh, He does have an asteroid named after him As do all the members of Monty Python So Terry Jones, Terry Gilliam, John Cleese Graham Chapman, Eric Idle and Michael Palin Have all got asteroids And which is the most destructive? Oh It doesn't say. I didn't say that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And he was John Lloyd's first choice to host QI. As you said, John, Stephen Fry was originally going to be a team captain. He was going to be Team Clever, and Alan Davis was going to be Team Stupid. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think they would have been called that in the program, but the reason why there's only that one regular panelist of Alan Davis must be because the original version was going to have someone on the opposite team. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So there we are. Michael Palin. What a nice man. Everyone says so.
1: He's lovely. I'd give him a little cuddle. Oh, No joke, I would. Have, I'd give him a hug and say, you're a nice guy, Michael.
5: Don't you think he would put a hand up and say, no thanks, John?
1: No, I mean, is he? I'd ask him first. and yeah. just go straight for the hug. I did meet
3: him at a book signing once. Did you, Was he nice? He was very nice. Did he oh, give no, him a hug? Please, please tell us he I'm, was a twat. <laughs> no, um, I didn't give him a hug, but he gave us some tips on travelling Um, Hmm. because at at the time my other half was trying to convince me I wanted to go and visit India and I wasn't sure whether that was a place I was really keen on and his tip was, go because you really want to go. If you go because you think you should or you go to these places that everybody says you should go to, you're not going to get the full experience. Want to go and your experience will be much better. Did you ever go to India? We have not yet been to India, but I am happy to do so if she would like to go for she is going to galaxy's edge with me later this mm-hmm. year <laughs> therefore you owe her therefore i owe her
0: john you're buff or bluff
1: yes i've got some more musicians that were almost in movies so um i think we talked a while back about things that michael jackson was almost in he tried to buy mm. the rights to spider-man to put himself in a spidey film and cast himself as Peter Pan, I think, so a few things. But other musicians have almost been in films. So these are some early casting choices for films that did not come about, but which were seriously considered. Dirty Rotten Scoundrels was originally conceived as a vehicle for Mick Jagger and David Bowie. An early version of Lord of the Rings would have had John Lennon as Gandalf the Wizard and Vingo Starr as Bilbo Baggins. And Bez was approached to play the part of Spud in Train Spotting. Bez from the Happy Mondays.
3: What's Bez's Scottish accent like?
5: I don't know. <laughs> oh,
3: that is a point. <laughs> isn't it? Yeah.
5: Mm. yeah. Bez is a musician, you say?
3: Well, <laughs>
1: yes, yeah, a fair point. Yeah, he's a, a, what is it, vibes, I think he was credited with on the Happy Mondays and Black Grape. But he does play the maracas.
3: Mm. Now, the John Lennon Ringo Lord of the Rings thing. Was this the
2: animated? Ralph Bakshi. Right? I
3: think they might have been considered for that. I have heard Beatles and Lord it's of the Rings banding together before. One. But yeah, I thought they were all the hobbits. I didn't think any one of them was going to be Gandalf. Mm. I thought they were going to be Frodo, Sam, Merry, and Pippin. Mm. So that could be a sneaky bluff.
0: Mm-hmm. Mick Jagger and David Bowie. David Bowie, Dirty Rotten Scoundrel. I mean, they have both <laughs> been in.
3: They have both starred mm. in movies. Yeah. yeah, and they did that. Have that little period of being a duo. Well, they did the one song. I haven't seen Dirty and Scoundrels. When Shame. Did, thank you. When did that come out?
2: 84,
3: 85.
2: He's saying mm-hmm. that because he knows that's the live Aid dates, and he's trying to make it sound plausible. Right.
1: It's mid-80s. Mid, mid I don't know the exact year.
3: And who was in it?
1: It was Michael Caine and Steve Martin. So Bowie would have been Michael Caine, and Mick Jagger would have been Steve Martin.
2: Do we know the comedy chops of either of them?
3: Jagger did host SNL and appeared in sketches and from so, what I've so seen of everyone. them was quite <laughs> mm. funny. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: So Bowie certainly was known for having a, a sharp wit. Mick Jagger's acting was, you know, yeah, performance. You had free Jack, I think he was in mm. as well. Was he Ned Kelly at one point? He yes, was, he was Ned yeah. Kelly,
0: yeah. Remind me which is Spud from Trainspotting. He did that one in.
1: Uh, you were you and Vemna so the constantly off his
2: face.
0: Yeah. It's time okay. casting them. Yes.
2: But yeah, I think the accent might be the, the odd one for that.
3: Did Bez and Ewan Bramner look vaguely similar in well, the 90s? It's, it's
2: not. it's how they're described in the book. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter when mm-hmm. they look like each other. No, I'm just
3: <laughs> thinking whether John's picked this as a bluff because they look a little bit like they're each other. They're not a million miles apart.
1: Yeah, I mean, the train spotting book, um, Begbie, was a big, massive bloke, wasn't it? It was like a bodybuilder type thing that everyone was scared of, and then the cast Robert Carlyle in the film
3: and everyone was still scared. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm going Bez. I'm
2: going Bez cuz it feels like though the, the the Barry and Jagger does feel John territory as well.
5: Mhm. Uh, I'm I'm going to go Bez. Yeah, me too. I'm going for the Hob Beatles. That's the stupidest thing.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Sold. There were so many million. stupid Beatles things at the time, though. This
1: is true. Yeah, um, three of you are correct. Bez was never <laughs> approached a place but in Train Spotting. Which, which three? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I think it would have been good casting. Peter. Mine's kind of a lucky dip of three unrelated things. These are that only one person has their ashes on the moon. The Dutch angle, which describes the crazy camera tilts you might get in a 1966 Batman episode, is a misnomer. The technique is from German cinema. And Mickey Mouse first spoke in a 1929 short. His first words were, roll up, roll up.
3: Roll up, roll up. I was just going to ask somebody to do that in a Mickey Mouse voice. (laughs) Thank you, John.
0: Are you going to tell us who the ashes are that are on the moon?
2: They are Eugene Shoemaker. Shoemaker.
3: And did he pay for that to happen, or... No. Was he associated with NASA? What do we know about him?
2: He is known for the Shoemaker-Levy comet, which you may have heard of. I have not, but it sounds astronomical. (laughs) Is it next to the
3: Python asteroids?
1: (laughs) I know a lot of people have their ashes fired up into space, but that's not necessarily the same thing as it landed on the moon, so maybe you just had them shot into space and he got lucky. (laughs) 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 just randomly... Dutch angle. Get a lot in German expression cinema. I had a lot of those sort of angles. But I think the name might be the guy that first shot it or something. It might be like Barry Dutch
2: or Dutch.
1: I have one one leg longer than my my, my my left leg is four foot and my right leg is three. The foot. world's
3: worst cameraman.
1: And uh, every time I
3: try and choose something
1: straight, so it comes out insane, and I don't know why.
3: Nerdfest would like to apologise to the Netherlands for that <laughs> accent.
1: Stijgjes. <laughs> Yes, the angle's tight, yes.
2: John, you're drunk again. <laughs> Are you drinking German I'm beer? Tr- I'm
1: drinking um, premium lager. Where's Moretti from? It's Italian.
0: Mamma C- mia, C-
1: that's
5: a tasty lager. I can do them all.
1: <laughs> <laughs> can
5: you? C- can you do Italian? <laughs>
1: I've got some Heineken. I've got some alcohol-free Heineken as well, which
3: is Dutch. That is can Dutch you do Dutch. it as accent-free Lager. Lager. Mickey's first words: "Roll up, roll up."
0: Well, I know that his first appearance was in a short, but I yeah, don't know that, that was a Ste-
3: Steamboat, Steamboat Willie, where he was a a, a, a lot of whistling in that one. He does. So, 1929's the year after that, I think.
1: Mm. Walt Disney did the voice originally, didn't
2: he? Uh, the film in 1929 is called The Carnival Kid, mm-hmm. and Walt
3: Disney didn't do the voice himself.
2: Mm. Mm. Who did?
3: I don't. I'm not sure if they know actually. Well, you've convinced me with the extra detail. Um, I'm going to go with ashes on the moon on the basis that maybe Eugene wanted his as ashes on the moon, but it never happened.
1: Maybe he wanted them on a comet.
3: How are you going to catch a comet to put ashes on it, John? Just
1: chase it by the tail. <laughs> similar, to a, similar to a cat. Right. <laughs> I think Dutch jungle.
5: I like watching um, videos about cinema uh, movie production on YouTube and I've saved one to my watch list about the origins of the Dutch Angle and haven't watched it, so <laughs> useless on that one. <laughs> um, but I know German cinema is, is more prominent than Dutch and they're right next to each other, so I believe that's true. I like to think if you'd made up Mickey Mouse's first words, you would have uh, come up with something more vulgar I like to think that um, I'm, I'm going to go with Moon Ashes
0: mm-hmm. I'm going to go with Mickey I think it might, might say something else maybe he caused the, uh, the Wall Street crash of ni- 1929
2: <laughs> right. you
0: never know <laughs> buy sell buy sell
2: <laughs> it's true that only one person has their ashes on the moon <laughs> he was a noted astronomer and they did it as a mark of respect hmm. the Dutch angle does come from German cinema and it's probably Deutsch Instead of Dutch. And oh, that's where the thing came from. Which I'm guessing is also why Arnold Schwarzenegger's character is probably called Dutch in Ooh, Predator. You that would make son sense, of a bitch. <laughs> Get to the chopper. Uh, Mickey Mouse did first speak in a 1929 short. But his first words were, hot dogs, hot dogs. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, I thought yeah, I'd do that the is, impression
3: yeah, there for sorry. you. yeah, It was like he was in the room. Mm.
0: <laughs> Andy, you're buff or bluff.
5: Swearing in cinema. Oh,
0: woohoo.
5: Uh, Fact or lie number one. um, On average, the Wolf of Wall Street uses the word fuck less than every 20 seconds. More than every 20 seconds.
3: Yes. At shorter (laughs) intervals than 20 seconds would be less. Thank you. Yeah, that would be. No, I think grammatically that is correct.
2: Less than than 20 20 seconds apart. More than than three times a minute. uh,
3: But it would be an average of less than than 20 20 seconds (laughs) over the course of its runtime.
0: So, a lot. Okay. Yeah. So we're <laughs> clear? Moving on. <laughs> in 2014,
5: Russia banned swearing in films and other media, so any new movies containing foul language cannot legally be distributed. And number three, 2009's Hannah Montana, the movie, received a G rating in the US, meaning all ages admitted, only after cutting scenes featuring the words ass, dickhead, and bugger. Oh, Bugger. Hmm.
0: Mm. bugger like, that's not really an English. an that's more of an English sort of yeah, yeah but if you, if you
3: watch American TV shows it's one of these words they just have British characters say because oh. they don't really know mm. what it means like a spike like, they can get bollocks and wanker and things like yeah. that in right. there. but why would that be Montana. in um, Montana. Hannah Montana Hannah Montana and and maybe she meets somebody from England yeah. maybe she has a butler mm. <laughs> played by Chris Barry yes. as in Tomb Raider mm. Mm. I know he said like, bugger a lot
1: they get wanker on the Simpsons don't they because it's not a yeah. word they know
5: do they? I feel like I should know that. Yeah. Um, when, when...
1: when you two throw a spoon at Mr. Burns, he turns round and calls him wankers. He does. Mm.
3: Hmm. Yeah. Um, I have a memory of watching a Wolf of Wall Street supercut after it came out that was just the f words. Yeah. And it goes on for a while. Yeah.
5: The movie is three hours long, though. And yeah. A, a, one fuck every twenty seconds or less. I that's yeah, a I lot can. Fucking. It
3: is, but I could believe it because they did swear a lot.
5: It's
2: roughly five hundred
3: and sixty. I
5: and mean, if that's
1: an average, because they could go yeah. like fuck, fuck, fuckity fuck, and then yeah. yeah. And
3: because when it comes to Scorsese, you can get that level of average just from Mark Wahlberg and The Departed.
1: Mm. I mean, mm-hmm. Goodfellas was, for a long time, the sweariest film yeah. ever made, wasn't it?
3: And I think Wolf of Paul Street overtook it, so mm. I can believe that one. Yeah.
2: So I think, I think that's true. But it true. wasn't the greatest density, uh, Planes, Trains and Automobiles. Yes, yeah. I think that had the most swearing in the shortest amount of time. Um, mm.
1: I think South Park possibly took it over.
3: Oh, yes. The songs. When South Park on TV discovered that they were now allowed to use the word shit, mm. they... Used, I think, 137 times in 20 minutes, and had a little ticker oh. counter in the bottom corner, <laughs> just for the fun of it.
0: Russia has banned swearing in films
5: since 2014. Do
0: yeah. they like not allow them to be broadcast, or they have to be heavily edited before they are?
5: This is any new films; they're just not permitted to be distributed. Any old um, existing media pre 2014, um, and it's not just films. It's it's television broadcasts, it's uh, radio, it's it's CDs, it's and books. this is swearing in Russian, presumably. It, it, the law is written very vaguely. It's ill-defined. They um, haven't given a list, and so where there is any contention, um, a panel of experts will make a judgment. Swearing experts <laughs> uh, the, who would be on the English panel of swearing experts?
1: <laughs> who would you have? Oh, um, Who's a good swearer? Peter Capaldi. Mm-hmm. Be on there, yeah. Um, I, um, as, so you wouldn't um, go for
2: hideous like Bernard Manning and Jim no. Jim Davidson.
1: Oh God. I told a joke at work the other week and somebody said, uh-huh, you're, you're really like, funny, but like, your, your jokes are like accents, you're funny like Bernard Manning. <laughs> <laughs> and they didn't mean it as a weird insult. They, um, These are the people I work with. Hello, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> anyway,
3: now, with, with the Hannah Montana thing, this, I can believe to an extent, because I know that the first Paddington film was a U over here But because of Simon Farnaby ad-libbing a line of Stop That Sexy Lady, that got it put up to a PG. Which is crazy, but the first Paddington is a Mm. PG and it's because of that line where he falls a little bit in love with Hugh Bonneville in drag, or dressed as a woman, I should say, because it's probably not drag, technically speaking. So if they can do that to Paddington, I could see the US census being similarly conservative with Hannah Montana.
1: In communist Russia, we stub toe, we swear we go to jail.
2: This is Arnie again.
3: <laughs> I'm going to go with Russia as a bluff because, well, I mean, Pussy Riot are probably banned there anyway, but they are Russian <laughs> mm-hmm. and they exist there. I just loved when there were a news story. So you had
5: all those really straight news readers on English news talking about Pussy Riot. Yeah. Cracked me up every time. Mm-hmm. I didn't mention before, um, anything that was pre-2014 that includes swearing in Russia is allowed to exist. They don't burn it in a big fire or anything. But if it's sold, it has to be sealed and it has to have a label saying it's obscene. Right. And does that Mm. make it
2: sell better? Because wasn't that the problem with the sort of parental advisory thing? If anything, that became a badge of honour for rap albums and all sorts of things. I
0: just just can't can't Mm. believe that because you just... Mm. Making illegal probably about seventy percent of films. Mm-hmm. Well, this is talking from you know a Hollywood but, but perspective. But they can
1: release a film, but they can edit it so like they can cut the swearing out and then release that.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I it's, it's say when you talk about like the parental advisory being doing the sales, it was the same like um, in America they'll put one fuck in to get a PG thirteen uh, because PG thirteen films appeal to a broader audience than PG because they could be a kids film. Mm-hmm. You, you, sometimes you're watching like twelve rated films and you're waiting for the F-bomb. And then it kind of, it's, it's just really gratuitously put in there. It
2: just doesn't fit. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the
1: Russia thing is a, is, is a nonsense.
0: Yeah, me too.
2: I don't know. I quite liked it. He had a couple of good bits and detail on it. Uh, I'm going to say true for that one. Unless it was different
1: words. That were cut out of Hannah Montana. Could have been worse words that I won't say. <laughs> <laughs> they must be bad, though. <laughs> She's a spiky one that Miley Cyrus...
0: So I thought it was Hilary Duff. It's, it's, no, it's Cyrus, Miley Cyrus. Isn't it? yeah. Ah, that you're, changes things. <laughs> you're thinking of Lizzie McGuire. I am. Yeah, I actually saw that being filmed in Rome when I was about sixteen. My goodness. Mm. I was in it. Well, I wasn't in it, but they were. They were filming a, a a scene outside a nightclub. They wanted crowd.
3: You could have been in the Lizzie McGuire movie. <sighs> Great opportunity missed. Think of all that sweet, sweet Disney Plus money you could have got. <laughs> We all decided
5: then.
0: Russia.
5: All on Russia. Uh, You are all incorrect. That is true. In May 2014, um, Comrade Vladimir himself signed the law into uh, existence, and they... um, I I haven't picked one
2: yet, so just before you pick
3: one, because I did say
2: I didn't want Russia.
3: Oh. Yeah, Mm. Peter (laughs) did say he believed that one to be true, so he's still in the contest, he can still get this right.
1: I like how he waited until (laughs) one was taken out before (laughs) mentioning that he'd not... Chosen one yet No
3: but he did say that That one was true So he yeah. was going yeah. to pick he'd, One he'd, of the He'd others. have
1: kept quiet though had it, had it been the bluff He'd have kept
5: quiet the wolf, we'll, wolf, wolf of Wall Street. Street
3: And Hannah Montana Okay
2: um, I'm going to go with Hannah Montana
5: Peter is correct <laughs> oh. Russia has banned swearing In media Because that place is Different um and, and we want those sweet sweet russian listens yes we do they bloody love our nerdy 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 nerdiness
1: i don't know, understand why the last few episodes though that have been popular in russia when i listen back to them it pauses halfway through <laughs> road boris is played at a very low level and then it starts again
5: <laughs> yeah the wolf of wall street um uses the word "fuck" uh, 3.16 times um every minute which i thought was quite fun and hannah montana didn't have to have any words cut out because Miley Cyrus is an angelic sweetheart who would mm-hmm. never do anything wrong. Well done, sure. Peter. <laughs> A hollow victory. <laughs>
0: so minor uh, like film production questions. There are more visual effect shots in David Fincher's Zodiac than there is in Gareth Edwards' Godzilla. In both Batman and Batman Returns, the only location shot is the exterior of Wayne Manor. Everything else for each film is shot in a studio. Number three. Uh, It's well known that many of the locations in Lord of the Rings were miniatures. Um, So Minas Tirith, Rivendale, uh, Isengard, they were all sort of built to a certain scale, um, but they were actually nicknamed bigotures because they were so big. Anyway, um, for Minas Tirith, eight people poured a thousand hours into creating that twice. Because when the model was first built, a member of the crew accidentally dropped an orc helmet onto it and destroying the bulk of its foundations. Mm.
3: Can you imagine if Sauron had just done that? (laughs) Just dropped a giant helmet on the city. Those are three really good ones. Mm. I
2: was prepared to believe all three of those until I got the third one. Then I'm going, hang on.
3: (laughs) I can believe, well, can I believe the Lord of the Rings one? Yes, I think I can. Zodiac and Gareth Edwards' Godzilla Mm -hmm. are two films I don't normally associate with each other. Mm. It seems two quite random films to put together. Zodiac is sort of set historically
2: at the time of this particular serial killer. It's New York, isn't mm. it? So be
0: a lot uh, it's of... uh, San Francisco. Yeah.
2: So I'd imagine they do actually have a, a
3: surprising number of shots.
1: Yeah. Like every exterior shot probably will have some effects on it.
2: Yeah. And
3: Fincher's not opposed to lots of visual effects because Benjamin Button was one of his, was it
0: not? Mm.
3: Mm. It was, yep. I, I,
2: I mean, I remember the particular shot of the outside of Wayne Manor. um and I, I think that might be true of the first one. I'm not sure if it's true of the second one. Mm. I'm just wondering mm. whether there's any sort of frozen... Mm. Everything's very
3: stylized to the point that you'd believe they'd probably have to mm. build See, it. most of the city
2: streets are
1: all oh, yeah. very tight angles.
3: And um, tight suits. in fact.
1: If we watched <laughs> Batman on the big screen the other week and it was surprising how you could feel the sets not to go in more than an inch beyond the edge of the camera and lots of tight shots of alleyways and things like that. So certainly I would believe the first one was all done on sets. The second one, you've also got the sort of exterior shots of Oswald Cobblepot's manor and things like that, and it's a bit wider.
2: It was winter as well, so mm. that could have been a reason for using sets. A lot of matte
1: paintings as well in both of them. The first one, I think, is definitely true. So it's second or the third one. And I know Hazel likes uh Lord of the Rings behind mm-hmm. the music documentary. <laughs> um... So I'm going to go for the second one, because I think there's probably some shots in Batman Returns that might not have been on sound stages. Yeah, I am for the
3: same reason. After some thought of how little Godzilla actually appears in Godzilla, I'm going to say that they built two Minas Tiriths, but for different reasons than dropping an orc helmet.
5: Hmm. I am going to go for Minas Tirith as well. I think they would be much more careful with their models and not let clumsy helmet droppers near <laughs>
0: Well, you'll learn your lesson after the first one, I guess.
5: This is very true. Were they fired? Out of a cannon. Into Mount
0: Doom? <laughs> <laughs> I suspect they would have their uh, production bonus stocked somewhat. Oh, nice. Okay, so um, there are more visual effect shots in Zodiac than there is in Godzilla yeah, uh, as you say, David Fincher is a big fan of doing visual stuff. So in Zodiac, rather than go and shoot the Golden Gate Bridge, he just recreated it completely so that you could have a city skyline that was accurate to that period. He also doesn't like to uh, shoot like, like actual blood or you know, tomato ketchup or whatever it is because he likes to do take after take after take. So if you had in costumes. Yeah, so if he adds in the blood uh, afterwards, he means he can just set up really quickly and do that again.
3: And is it true that Jake Gyllenhaal was entirely CGI in that film?
0: Uh, I think David Fincher probably wishes that he was. They did not get on. Um, I don't think they went to the premiere, actually, because oh. they were just falling out to that extent and Jake Gyllenhaal had, uh, was just so tired of doing take after, take after take after take. And David Fincher said something quite derogatory about his acting. So, yeah. yeah, I would be surprised to see them coordinate again.
5: And Godzilla was just a man in a costume, wasn't he?
4: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: The Batman fact is true. Mm. So the first Batman was shot entirely in a studio in London. Second one, the studio wanted a much tighter reign, so they moved studios to Los Angeles. That but worked still, well,
2: going by the, f- yeah, the film that came out Including leaving the entire city set up for like two years and yeah. paying for rental on it, and yeah. then never using it.
0: Yeah, so it's true the only uh, uh, location shot is, is Wayne Manor in mm-hmm. both of those films um lord of the rings completely made that up (laughs) 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 so yes um but if you do get a chance do have a look at some of the behind the scenes documentary and and look at the sheer level of detail that went into making these these bigotures it's um Mm. you know it's it was the making of weather digital and quite rightly amazing
1: and one of the big differences between lord of the Rings and the hobbit where they did a lot more digital Mm -hmm. stuff on the hobbit it just didn't it just doesn't look as well yeah
3: it just doesn't yeah. fit with the look
0: yeah practical effects you don't mm. underestimate yeah them.
3: i know there were more work and i know it might not have looked as good in high frame rate but they probably shouldn't have done it in high yeah. frame rate anyway
0: and they made Ian McCullen cry mm. yes they of did it. i can't forgive mhm
2: actually from a quick check it does appear that although batman returns was entirely filmed on sets there were a few other locations used for batman such as the chemical works well we've learned something mm. yes <laughs>
0: That's why we do these things. A third education. of what we
2: learned was a lie.
0: <laughs> now is time for Shameful Gap. When one of us nerds has not seen something that folklore would dictate that they should have done, they own up, watch it for the very first time, and then come to the podcast to review it. So, which nerd is going to own up?
3: Well, it's me. So,
0: what is your shameful gap, Dan?
3: Well, as somebody who is quite easily scared, boo!
4: <laughs>
3: what just happened? I just lost consciousness for a few seconds. Um, yeah, uh, horror films tend not to be high on my watch list, so there are several classics that I've never seen. One of those, up until recently, was The Exorcist.
1: Shame. Shame.
3: Yes, but I borrowed a Blu-ray of The Exorcist from Mr. John Farthing and we picked a day during daylight hours to watch it so we wouldn't get too scared. And I thought it was really, really good. Mm. i was
1: pleased, I wasn't sure.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And so much so that I don't really have much written down. I had my Nerdfest notebook ready. I had pen in hand, ready to scribble down what I thought, but just got caught up in it all, particularly the climactic exorcism itself. You just can't take your eyes off the screen mm-hmm. throughout that whole sequence. It's so brilliantly done. The camera work, the direction all the way through is fantastic. What I wasn't expecting was a whole opening sequence in Iraq, That took both of us completely by surprise. We knew the vague story of Reagan being possessed and an exorcist and a priest coming in and the iconic horror moments of the head turning all the way around and the green spewy stuff. Didn't expect a prologue in Baghdad. Um, So that was really cool and was really good to watch on Blu-ray, actually. The HD transfer seems to have been done incredibly well because it looked so sharp, And so well lit. It was a real pleasure to watch it on Blu ray, which I'll be honest, a lot of the time I don't notice a lot of difference, but you could tell the transfer had been really well done with this one. The slow burn of the story with that long prologue, with just slowly getting to know the characters, actually makes it more scary. Everything was calm and then things just happen, but not in a jump scare way like they would do it now. It happens, and it's the more frightening for not much having happened up to that. And the iconic scenes are still really shocking. There was a sequence with some blood and a small silver crucifix that we both recoiled Mm. in horror. Even now, it's really horrible to watch.
1: I've, I've seen the film in the cinema a few times with people that don't know it, and bits of the film are dated a little bit, I would say, and up to that point, you, there's some little bits of stigma in the cinema and a bit of the audience not being it. but when that scene happens, I've never seen a cinema also c- collectively gasp. And
3: mm-hmm. uh, I thought Max von Sydow was absolutely great. He just commands authority, and he plays that part perfectly. Y- you can sense the importance of him as a character, and he's somebody that you feel like you'd automatically listen to. Which is why, again, the ending... Spoilers for a 45-year-old film upcoming. But I didn't expect the way it ended either. I didn't expect him to die. I didn't expect Father Karras to be possessed and die either. I did sort of think it was going to work out. And they were going to exorcise the demon. Because I knew there'd been sequels. And I assumed the sequels would have been about the exorcist. But maybe, mm. maybe they are. I haven't seen them. But overall really really enjoyed it it earns its status as a classic and i am now happy to listen to what people who have seen it and know lots about it mm-hmm. are willing to <laughs> tell me about it because <laughs> it's great
1: was i alone in having watched it not realizing that max funds before i knew who he was i didn't realize it was a young actor in old age makeup i didn't know that either
0: uh, i think you might have told me that before but mm-hmm. that's the only reason i knew yeah, yeah.
3: 45 years old, mm. and he kind of looks like that now, doesn't he? Yeah. Because mm. um, I'm right and thinking that this is one of your faves, John.
1: Oh, very much so, yeah. The reason it worked so well was the tension between the director and the writer. So the writer's very much involved. So it's written by William Peter Blatty, who is a, a Catholic, and it's directed by William Peter Blatty.
2: William Friedkin. Friedkin, who's
1: an um, atheist Jew. New York, very streetwise, did the French Connection So that tension between the belief and the religion, I think religion wins out in the film in the end. Sure, I don't like it. I don't like the head spinning round.
3: Don't like as in it creeps you out or don't like from a technical point of view?
1: If I was going to make the film, I would keep it a lot more ambiguous as to whether she was actually possessed or just mentally ill. You know, because you can, if you're ill mentally, it can have physical manifestations. So the, well, the doctors talk about that. Exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I would have liked that ambiguity to continue throughout the film. Yeah,
3: there's no doubt by the end mm-hmm. that she is possessed by the devil or a demon or whatever it is. Because, mm. yeah, it's horrible. Mm-hmm. Oh, poor girl.
1: You, you're right, like, you're picking about the slow burn, and that's something that you probably wouldn't get in a, in a modern horror movie. You know, the first hour or so. You're spending with the characters. Things are starting to go wrong, but it just ratchets up the tension until it's, it's almost unbearable. miracle. And when, when things do happen, you're invested in the characters. Do you know how, um, the, the, obviously, it's not her voice spouting out obscenities.
3: No, I didn't think it was. Yeah,
1: but um, she would be mouthing things like, your mother dance socks quite well. <laughs> <laughs> Which would be then overlaid with the, 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 the
3: obscenities. Am I right in thinking that Linda Blair, who played her, didn't see the film until she was grown up? Is that right?
0: I've heard that before.
1: Um, I mean, she was in the first sequel, and she was in Repossessed with Leslie Nielsen, oh, yeah. which is not, not a classic. But the book's very good. The film's better than the book. It's in that small circle. I think you've got that. Sounds of the Lambs, The Godfather. There's not very many where the book, so where the film is superior to the book. Um, it's just it's it's almost
2: the perfect horror movie. In England, it had a weird thing where mm. it was wasn't available on home video for an awful long time, didn't it?
1: Yeah, I watched it many many times on actually on a Dutch videotape from Deutschland from, from, from Holland. It was nice. It was tight. So so my oh early memories of it had a slightly blurry VHS with Dutch subtitles at the bottom, bought from a, a dodgy market stall in Leeds. Um, but we saw, there was a cinema in Leeds that used to show it every Halloween as well. And I went and I met William Peter Blatty and I couldn't get the film signed because he still couldn't get it. He was, it was coming out on VHS and DVD a week after I met him, but you couldn't legally buy it. But it's just, it, it's a film about ideas. It's a film that's not scared to talk about religion and theology and not give you all the answers. I just absolutely love it. The sequels... There's one good one. Exorcist Tree is a really, really good film. Written and directed by William Peter Blatty, based on a follow-up novel that he did. And it was a tumultuous making of, you know, lots of reshoots. He made it work thematically, but one character is played by two different actors during the film. And there's a tact on Exorcism at the end, because they made the film... And then someone pointed out to one of others that they've made a film called The Exorcist Tree and there's not actually an exorcism <laughs> in it. So it falls apart a bit at the end with a big budget, suddenly, you know, trying to recreate the exorcism from the first one. So why are the two actors playing the same role? Reshoots, essentially. I, I don't want to spoil it because I really want Dan to watch it because I think he'll enjoy it if he likes the first one. Should he skip two? Definitely skip two. Two is famously one of the worst films ever made and they don't follow on from each other. The Exorcist Two is Reagan um, is Persist again and uh, Richard Burton... Isn't that just like her? Yeah, Richard Burton's the priest. I think James Earl Jones is involved in this bees for some reason. Uh, it's- Not the bees. <laughs> <laughs> it's awful.
3: Yeah, we didn't watch any of the making-of documentaries on the Blu-ray, but it is a film that when you're watching it, you think, how did they do that? Like the bed shaking up and down and things like that. Not in a way that takes you out of the film, but in a way that it looks so real and convincing. Mm. You wonder how they did it. And I'm sure the making of tells you.
1: Yeah, well, the, the bed is up against the back wall and they're behind it. Forklift? Basically, yeah, essentially a forklift going through the wall. That's lifting the bed up and down and shaking it. And um, ah. Linda Blair was on ropes being thrown back and forth and actually injured her back quite badly. I am not surprised. Um, they kept the set very, very cold. So you can see the breath throughout the characters' mouths. And William Freakin kept a tense atmosphere and set by just randomly shooting a shotgun into the air. Sorry? <laughs> uh-huh. He had a shotgun, and to keep the actors on their toes and uncomfortably would just randomly shoot a shotgun in the air. He's a bit loopy. Um, there's two different Exorcist 4s. Paul Schrader of Taxi Driver fame made a version of Exist 4, which Warner Brothers hated so much they completely re Paul Schrader, again, did like a deep thing about theology and religion, which is kind of what you'd expect for him. Warner Brothers went, ''Yuck, this isn't what we want. We want a mainstream horror film.'' Dumped it entirely, reshot the entire film. I think he'd only one of the actors with Vinnie Harlan as the director. And that was released. It was terrible. So then when it came to release the DVDs, they released two separate DVDs with a very short time frame. One called Exist The Beginning and one called, I think, Exist Legion. So there's two different Exorcist 4s made and released around the same time. And there's a TV series as well, which I think lasted two seasons, which I've not got round to seeing, with um, the woman from The Fly. Gina
2: Davis? With Gina Davis. Who was married to Renny Holland, wasn't she? Yes, it yeah, it all, well, it all and, ties in together. And Jeff
0: Goldblum. On a scare level, where do you think it sort of sits?
3: Didn't have nightmares, mm-hmm. so that was good. Did think I saw some silhouettes at like two o'clock in the morning the night after seeing it, but... I think it was more unsettling and creepy than outright scary, which, you know, certain things like the first time I read about dementors in a Harry Potter book, Uh the the idea of a dementor is still scary to me. This didn't have that same effect. Horror is the right word. It might not be fear, but it does give you Mm. that similar effect
1: scariest bit for me is the MRI scan, you know, where they're putting the needles in her neck. Yeah, it's like, um, really scary.
3: I was permitted to look away at that mm. point. I was still, keep your eyes closed. I'll let you know when it's <laughs> over. Mm. So, uh, yeah, I don't deal with that sort of thing very well at all. Scarier than the demon. <laughs> if you're in the UK,
1: which obviously most of our listeners may be, on the BBC iPlayer, there's a documentary called The Fear of God, 25 Years of the Exorcist which is a Mark Mode documentary. It's 80 minutes long, really in-depth, and I really recommend that as a watch as well. He speaks to pretty much everyone involved in it and goes like all the making of stories and the history of it and so on.
0: So, How many uh, head turns out of ten?
3: I would not only give it nine head turns out of ten, but I'd give it an additional nine, The Power of Christ Compels You. <laughs>
4: <laughs> uh,
3: not, not a film I would put in my favourites of all time, but undeniably a classic. I've never seen it.
4: Oh, Shame.
3: Shame.
1: How have you? How? Have you n- never seen it?
2: I think I've sort of walked past it mm. at, at times, like Judith watched it sometimes, so I've seen a little bit mm-hmm. of it, but I've never sat down and watched it.
5: That will not stand. You're going to have to do some penance. <laughs> I think you should yeah. have to watch Star Wars Episode 3 again. Think, yeah, definitely. I think you should have to watch,
1: watch The Exorcist 2, that will be your punishment.
5: <laughs>
0: I haven't watched it in about 20 years. I remember watching it when, yeah, well, about 12, th- th- twelve, thirteen, and it triggered a ban on horror films for mm. me because <laughs> I didn't like the unease and yeah, everything like that. And I was like, you know what, horror films, not for me. Um, and that's only recently sort of turned around, mm-hmm. to be honest, and I've seen a few it's and I really like them.
1: It's interesting that you said that sir, because it was banned for decades.
2: Because of the effect on yeah. young girls.
1: Yeah, and it was it was James Furman who was the head of the BBFC who was a, a a slightly eccentric figure. And he basically had the veto he had to say so whether a film was released or not. And everybody else, all the other censors were like, yeah, fine for video. And James Furman said no. And he specifically said um because of the effect it would have on teenage girls. Yeah. Which is a bit odd yeah. so It's well, almost it's, like Lady Chatley isn't it Would mm-hmm. you want your wife or servant reading yeah. Yeah.
3: this film Is is there much merit in the idea That the whole thing is a symbol for A young girl becoming uh, a oh, woman it's, And it's, male authority Casting it's... like her femininity Out of her as it were
1: it's very much a puberty metaphor. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Uh, you know, it's, 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 it, the, the, there's a...
3: Not, not to be crude, but she started having periods quick, get the men in to sort her um, out.
1: Yeah. Mm. It's, it, I, mean, it's all, I mean, it's not even subtle, but there's a, yeah. the, there's a whole genre of um, female puberty horror films that going from that, I suppose you could say, at about the same time yeah. is even more explicit. And going forward with things like Ginger Snaps. Is that the one with Gary Busey? no (laughs) that's that's the ginger dead man (laughs) but yeah it's it's, i mean it's very very much clearly about that i'm not entirely sure about the patriarchy smashing the womanhood out of her but i I can see how that's that's one reader. but it's very much about the horror of female sexuality and it's a film it's the male gaze on that so it's something to be feared
3: yeah, ju- just because by the end, when she's no longer mm. possessed, she is the image of what two old authoritative men have made her, if that makes yeah. sense. The possession has come about through her own action with the Ouija board. Mm-hmm. And it is only through men casting her out and explicitly dealing with her that she returns to what is an acceptable version mm-hmm. of herself. Yeah. I might be reading too much into it. Oh, no, no. But... So, um, yeah you could certainly see that reading in in it. Yeah. And, you know, picking priests as the exorcist. The Conjuring films do ghosts mm. and things, but yeah. they're a husband and wife team. So I would imagine that subtext isn't there so much if they were doing that kind they're of thing. They're also terrible. I've never seen them.
0: I, don't I like to. them.
1: Yeah, they're, 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 a, they're a real couple. Or they were, I think one of them... Died it's a real life story, yeah. Um, because they were the same couple that investigated the Amityville yeah. Horror House. yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: They
3: weren't very lucky, were they? <laughs> uh, but yeah, whether you take it as a metaphorical reading or you take it literally, the film mm-hmm. works mm. on all the levels. Yeah, so well done to them. <laughs> <laughs> well done to that film.. <laughs>
0: and that is all we've got time for for this episode thank you very much for listening we are on social media we're at Nerdfest UK on Twitter and Facebook you interact with us followers tell us how you're feeling after that episode Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and if you feel so inclined we would love a a, a review or just a little rating would be awesome if you've got the time Uh, and John is going to do something very special for you as well John
1: yes I'm going to create an inaccurate Wikipedia entry about you (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: we will be back in two weeks time with more recommendations and more quizzes but until then you've been listening to
3: a man who has visited far fewer than 98 countries
1: an old priest and a young priest
0: bang
3: (laughs) a man who fires shotguns randomly into the air
5: (laughs) a man who wants to see the Russian version of Wolf of Wall Street
0: (laughs) and a woman who's going to be very careful from now on with her orc helmet We'll see you next time. Bye. That's that a euphemism. Yeah. <laughs> Talmud. <Tell him it.
2: laughs> <laughs> Only you, Deb. Well, this is, this is awkward.
4: <laughs>
1: Bye. 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 I went for a curry last night, Dan. Did you? And uh, I sent it back. I said it wasn't spicy. Right, and it came back, and it had a dead river animal in it.
3: It had a dead river animal. Yeah, in yeah, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. Wh- which one?
1: Well, I said, "Why have you done that?" And I said, "Well, you wanted a little otter." <clears throat> little otter.
4: <laughs>
5: you've, you've corrupted a joke. I know. There. What's the difference between chicken tikka and chicken tarka? Um, the same, but tarka's uh, a little Andy's
3: one's better
1: <laughs> Andy's one I make, prefer that one Andy's one makes sense structurally as a joke <laughs> as opposed to me trying to i um, <laughs> um, a little otter in
5: not that I'm <laughs> tried to do that Tarko the Otter is ripe for a
3: gritty reboot don't you think mm. with Christian Bale oh yeah who, who spends three years living as an otter as preparation mm. and loses half his height for the role
0: surely it's got to be Benedict Cumberbatch who actually looks like an otter yes.
3: does a bit doesn't he Oh, that's what he's been looking like all these years.
0: Go on the internet and uh, Google Otter and Benedict Cumberbatch, and you will see what I mean. W-
3: would you use digital fur technology, as <laughs> no. in Tom Hooper's cats, to make <laughs> Cumberbatch and Otter? Oh.
1: Why is there not a porn star called Bendy Dick Come in Snatch? Have you checked? <laughs> there should be.
0: Say that again Bendy Dick com-
1: come, in, come in Snatch. Come
0: in Snatch. Okay.
1: Bendy Dick Come in Snatch.
3: <laughs> John is now Googling Pornhub. <laughs> I don't need to Google (laughs) it,
1: Dan. I know exactly where... I mean... um. (laughs)